Welcome to Wisco Dice. Well, now with Wisco background Dice. music. With back, whoa, yeah, that's right. We got the the TV's going. Everything's hopping along. It's pretty great. So we're. I don't know. That would be an interesting, interesting edit. <laughs> Anyways, we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. This is the Conzi with his mo- with the most coming at you, working hard. Or Stark Raving working. Mad is here too. Huh? I said Stark Raving Mad is here too. Oh yeah. Hey Brian, how's it going? It's going. My incompetence is showing in my terrain work. I think it's <laughs> I think it's actually coming your your artistic creativity is coming out pretty darn well. Yeah, I got that. The skill of craftsmanship when you're doing something for the first time is kind of a step to overcome for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're getting better though. Those those are starting I think they're starting to look a little better. bit. I'm concerned about my final product. As long as it looks good in the end, I'll be happy. But you're better than a lot of noobs I've seen starting on a project. <laughs> I'm not bleeding yet. Yeah, that, that, that's a bonus. <laughs> not bleeding yet. That might be a show title. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably pretty good. All right, we're also joined by Dustin, right? Uh, yep. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Kind of stoked about all this awesome terrain. It is. So obviously, let's talk about what we're talking about today. And that is going to be terrain. So on today's episode, we got together today, and we've it's kind of been a terrain day of projects and hobby, and and trying to get some projects together to for the Merry Mayhem tournament. It's kind of our goal. So we're jumping a head start on trying to get extra projects done for this year's 2013 Merry Mayhem. And so we're going to talk about the projects that we've kind of started and the work that we've done and some of the techniques, tricks, and tips. Maybe some tips on things to avoid as well as things that worked really well and some of our experiences. So that's going to be what we're going to talk about today. Let's go ahead though and talk about our show sponsors first because without them we don't really put together the show very well or at all sometimes. So we'll go ahead and start with ROE Games and Hobbies I believe it is. They're in Schofield, Wisconsin. ROE's been with us for quite a while. Um, you've known them usually as we're talking about them as Prism Gaming, but they kind of wanted us to shift focus and talk about the brick and mortar store a little more. And so we wanted to go ahead and make sure you shout out. So if you're in Schofield or Wausau, please go ahead and check out ROE Games. You can also check out their website online as well. Next up, you have the last square. It's like two times in a row you got it right. I know, that's amazing. <laughs> I Robert had me all confused, calling it like the last poly, polyhedron and Paul with his last circles and stuff. I was just confused what in the world store it was. So, yeah, it's the last square. You can check them out at lastsquare.com online. Get 20% off on Games Workshop product there online from them. As well, you can get all sorts of miniature stuff, tons of different miniatures lines, including historicals and other good stuff like that. And if you're in Madison, Wisconsin, or nearby, you can go always drive and check out their brick-and-mortar store here on uh, Odana Road. Next, we have the Misty Mountain Games and Diversions. They're located right here on Cottage Grove Road, right around the corner from Dugan's Delve Studios, which is actually two floors above us because we're in Dugan's Delve's dungeon <laughs> today. But, uh, yeah, it's a great great store, largest gaming space in Madison, Wisconsin. You can also go check their website out for all the events and stuff that's going on at the store. So if you're interested in something particular, you can make sure you look for the calendar and see if it's, they've got it going on. Finally, the Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Now, I hear you guys have been scoring some games, at least, with uh, the league, right? As much as I can, yeah. Madison's kicking some pretty good butt. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I think I'm uh, currently number five right now, so trying to claw my way up the ranks. I'm nowhere near five. I think I'm, like, second from last, but I've only scored, like, two games, I think, is all I've gotten. you got to be ahead of me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not. No, I think you're actually ahead of me just because you've scored more. That's all I've got. I've scored one of of them was a win when I played you, though, so I think that (laughs) helped me a bit. Well, our most recent game, you actually got more points than I did because uh, my score is so much higher than yours. Yeah, I got the I got the difference in difference in (laughs) positions bonuses, which is far more points than worth than what the game was worth. But I was playing because I ended up getting was I tabled in that one? You were. Yeah, I was tabled. Killed the last model on turn six. Yep, that was pretty brutal. All right, so that goes ahead and takes care of our sponsors. Let's go ahead and what have have you guys been working on anything hobby oriented, getting any models painted or built or anything like that? Aside from the train today, I've finished my battle group. I actually posted that on Facebook, so some of you might have saw that. Uh, my battle group for Menoth, uh, uh, War Machine, we're well, talking okay. here. I was like, what, and, what, what's a battle group? <laughs> I, what, how do you, re- what's this, what is yeah. a strange Warhammer term? Yeah, just the battle box. So I had my first game of that. It was pretty cool. I'm actually pretty into it. So I hope to be getting some more games of that and maybe collecting a few more models. Oh, no, here we go. Soon <laughs> to rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, And I did get back to my ghouls finally. They're, my five are almost done. They're very, very nearly done. And I'll probably have picks of those up going pretty soon when they're finished. I don't even, I have to do their bases and I think I need like a red wash or something like that to do the tongues on the guys, which is something I don't have. Okay. And that's about it on those, but I've gotten quite a bit of work between finishing my, assembling my group and then those ghouls. I've actually done quite a bit this week. It's exciting. <laughs> that is pretty cool. That's really solid. Dustin, have you been working on anything? Uh, I finished a Lord of Change for my Demon Army recently. That guy's pretty crazy. Can you tell us a little bit about him? So that's a kit bash that came out of an Island of Blood Griffin with an extra head and an extra set of wings, and then a bunch of arms, tentacles, mouths, etc., etc., to make it look nice and crazy. What did you use for the staff? Uh, The staff is actually two banners from the horror kit put together. Okay. So, all in all, it's the model has a lot of motion, it has a lot of weird, and it's bright colors, so it's also got a lot of pop. I'm really proud of how that one turned out. Yeah, it was really sharp and surprising. It's it's really chaotic looking. Yes. <laughs> and uh, other than that, I've been chugging away at a display board for my goblin army, but nothing too exciting there. Just a little bit at a time. Lugging away on my goblins. <laughs> All right. Well, I've actually been cranking down. I know we talked last time uh, about my hobby, hobby and gaming goals that I needed to try to get twenty Tomb King skeletons base coated and painted, as well as the four Necro Knights for my Tomb King army that I'm taking to Blood in the Sun. I need to get all that at least base coated to the three colors, which I, for me, base coated is. Basically, you know, it's all a base color, so the colors and not just three colors. I don't really believe in that three-color standard kind of thing. And I've got the Necronites to that point. I've, you know, with with the point of, in fact, not only the base coats, but some washes on them and stuff, as well as all of the basing done on the Necronites. So the basing itself, the base work, the stone and sandy base work, that's all done. As well as I got 10 of the 20 Tomb King skeletons built, painted to that base standard. 
I'd need to build the other 10, and with a just, I think we're five days away from Blood in the Sun, I have, I have a feeling that I'm not going to make that make those 10. But I have 10 models still painted here. They just weren't painted by me myself. I got them when I bought the army painted by somebody else. So it'll be kind of disappointing to not have everything on the table painted by me, but it'll be all painted at least. That's that's a good. And who knows? I maybe I'll sit down and focus and knock out some serious terrain or uh, yeah, terrain. I'll knock out some serious terrain between now and then. No, I mean put some assembly and, and base coning by the, between now and then. But I I, will, I don't think that's going to happen. So that's kind of the hobby portion I've been going on. Now I know there's been Warhammer played recently by you guys, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so I know Dustin and I we played a game recently. We heard how that went a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely didn't go well for the Team Kings. It was the first, like, we played, uh, Blood in the Sun. The first scenario for Blood in the Sun was a, the diagonal meeting engagement deployment, but we took turns deploying units and then rolled off to see who goes first. I gotta say, playing an ultra defensive army, having a roll off to see who goes first was not a good thing. No, that, uh, that first turn charge by my keeper into your necro knights was not the way to start things off. No, no, and, and I got to give the necro knights credit. I held that keeper there for what two, three rounds of combat, I think. No, I think it was Eight. just the two because no, I yeah, charged two. your sphinx on turn two. Yep. So yeah, I was you know basically by the end of before my turn two, I lost the necro knights and a war sphinx to the keeper. And that an, was pretty rough. And another sphinx to the cannonball. skill cannon. Yeah, it was. That was a rough game. So obviously, you can tell by the by the story there that that things weren't going well. I did manage though. I did we keep it going till we? I kind of tried to hold on just to see if I could eke out a battle point or two at the end. Maybe a because there was a bonus point in the scenario for having a unit in your opponent's side of the hat side of the board, and I nearly eked that out. Who came down to you? What spell did you cast on the the? I had the unit of five horse archers deep in you know. I scouted them; and they were deep in your background. Yeah, I think it was hysterical frenzy from the lore of Slanesh. So it does a few low strength hits and gives the unit frenzy, which ended up causing these horse archers to make a suicidal charge into my beast of Nurgle, which was hilarious because I had. I had had to test a crumble on him for that was the third third crumble test I think so I tested rolled like a six twice so I only lost one to crumble twice you know leadership five and then I turned around and on that turn passed the crumble check I rolled like three or something and then here's the here's the check to charge crud charge and if I don't if I pass that leader check and I I know that's pretty unlikely at leader five. But if I passed that leader check, I would have gotten, like, two battle points out of it. Instead, I charged, I died, I lost the unit to, uh, I, I lost two wounds, but had the charge, so I ended up losing the combat by one and crumbled one and, and lost the rest of the unit. So, rough way to kind of lose it and go out at the end, but it was a, a great game, a lot of fun. I really did enjoy the game, and it was a good, there were a couple of things I think I misdeployed in the, in the game. Like where I positioned my Necronites, I I kind of saw it putting them down, but I'm like, uh, I I kind of kind of wanted them. I, I inside I I knew it was a bad move, but in my head, but I I kind of wanted to have something out on that flank to kind of do something over there, and yeah, in hindsight, that's definitely was a bad move. So 
will teach you to trust that little nagging voice in your head that says, maybe you should beware. You, you know, if I listened to that guy, I'd be a lot better Warhammer player. <laughs> you know, because I can give people advice on how to play Warhammer like no other, and my advice is usually rock solid. I, 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 not, I'm not the best Warhammer player, but I'm pretty solid on giving good advice. But when it comes to execution, it's always I, I play too much off the cuff of my pants and impulse and not enough out of my head. And, and that was one where I if I would have listened to that voice in the head, yep, definitely would have been definitely more around it. All right, Brian, Yo. I know you're busy over there, busily happy. He's still working on terrain while we're trying to record here. It's yeah, I'm trying to figure out my junk. <laughs> <laughs> right. I realized a flaw in my design here, but. I think I can fix it. <laughs> That's okay. Well, it'll be something we can talk about later, too. Yep. All right. So, Ryan, I know you got at least one game in since we last recorded. Probably a I couple of I played two Warhammer ones and the War Machine game, my intro War Machine game. Yep. So your intro War Machine game was Battle Box on Battle Box, right? Yeah, I played against uh, Circle Battle Box, so War Machine on Hordes. But it worked out all right. I mean... I'm not sure how much my opponent was pressing me on my first game or whatever, but it was a pretty close game. Uh, if I had better dice, I probably would have won it, but like I was trying to kill his caster with my caster, and I just failed miserably. What, what are you going to learn <laughs> that your dice are some of the worst <laughs> oh, dice ever? It's horrible. Just like pitch them. Three dice, I needed to roll like a total of seven, and I had like two chances for that, and I botched both of them. I had like threes and four. Well, you not threes, but like fours and fives or something. <laughs> you know, the next time we have Wisco Dice made, you're going to have to pitch all those and just toss Wisco Dice from now on. Uh, or something like that, yeah. I don't know. So that was pretty awful. So it should have, I mean, I really should have been able to pull the win there, but yeah, it didn't happen <laughs> because right. of that. And my two Warhammer games, my first one was a couple weeks ago, and that was a 2000, well, no, I had to go down to 1500 or 1600. 1600. 1600. Uh, small, my opponent only had a smaller Lizardman army, and that was all the points he had for what he actually owned himself. And that's your brother, right, Dustin? That is. Finally convinced the bum to come out and start playing, and he's been pretty regular since. Yeah, he's been pretty excited. He only was borrowing my lizard men for a while to make sure he could get the points, but now he's up to 1,600 points painted, and that's what he's committed to doing Conzie's Challenge and playing with only painted models. So cool. I give him credit. Yeah, so I did lose that game. I kind of reworked my vampire counts list since then and dropping the points. I just kind of did it really quick and easy at the store there so i was just ready to go quicker and didn't really think about what i took out so i more or less my lord wasn't as powerful as it Listen could to some so. bad advice too <laughs> i don't remember what all i was blaming you for oh well i i definitely talked you out of I wasn't really, a magic weapon off your lord and that really bit you i think a little yeah bit. i was fighting saurus and he couldn't scratch those things because he was always debuffed strength yeah he took, because he took lower death and was always debuffing your strength and toughness. Yeah, I was always down one strength, I think, or something like that at least. So, yeah, it was really rough. <laughs> I lose that game pretty spectacularly. I was just pretty overwhelmed. My army was very small for well, the points level. I really only had a couple of units. You had a turn. There was one turn, I think. Oh, I remember color. all my fair, failed rolls were excellent. Um, I, it was just, well, my whole army was pretty much marked block because I was surrounded by a lizardman. I think the chameleon skinks actually did it, but, so two rolls, leadership 10 or whatever, the vampire, just for a march check, and I failed both of them on both my big units, so. That was, was big. That was like a turn two or turn three. My whole plan, yeah, that was turn two, I think. My whole plan was just to cross the table and get to that Saurus block with the slan. So that held me up, and then 
I think I had to make a seven inch charge. Like I needed the seven was the total charge. I needed to roll like a four or something or a three, I guess. No, I needed to roll a seven. So it was kind of far, but pretty average on the two pretty dice. Average roll, yeah. And I managed to fail that. So that positioned my unit expertly by a rock. So when he did charge me in the subsequent turn, I couldn't even get a good flank on him to try and help my unit out. Yeah, and that that was, was kind bad. of critical there. <laughs> Yep. And he did have the item that wiped one of my magic phases. Like, he dispelled whatever spell I attempted, and then on a four or better, it ended the phase or something like that. So yep. I had lost one whole turn of raising my guys back, which made my units very small. And it was just downhill <laughs> the whole game, pretty much. It ended up being a tough, tough game, tough loss, real, real tough. And of course, I took a lot of heat out of it, but whatever. That's okay. <laughs> I'll yeah, take the blame. I'll take crap. the blame. I'm good with that. The, yeah, there was a sinister statue on the board that killed more lizard men than I did. <laughs> <laughs> it was excellent. That thing was money. It was like, ah, skink shaman. Die. Anything, anything near it. Yeah, it was just vaping it. It was excellent. <laughs> took out a bunch of skinks and tried to take out a Saurus, but a uh, Saurus hero, but that thing was too tough. My, Whole unit of zombies couldn't take it out. They were hitting the crap out of them, though, which was awesome. Yeah, it was impressive. My you zombies getting, are good. You were getting hits and wounds through, like, a, at least a wound on a guy my zombies every are turn. He, just, he was just not <laughs> failing any armor ever. That's why there's new more zombies in my new list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't perform well? Yep. Add more. So my other game, I ended up, a lot of guys had smaller points lists, and I, we had odd men out last this week, this past week, so... I went up, I had enough stuff in my bag to put some kind of hodgepodge of 3,000 point army together. So it wasn't really well thought out list or anything like that. I was playing against Dark Elves and High Elves allied somehow. I'm not sure how that worked out. But. Just ended up being who was <laughs> left out of the, yeah. you know, worked out. Okay. But theme wise, it was goofy. And it was an interesting game. Um, it ended up, we stopped on turn four. It was really late at the store. We got kind of a later start and then setting up that big of a game took quite a while. So we ended on turn four, and it was a draw by 16 points. We tallied it up. Was there going to shift one way or the other, like if you would have played um, another turn? It was really hard to tell. Like, I took, like, a wave of Dark Elves, pretty much, and then the High Elves were kind of there waiting for me. So it was kind of hard to judge, because all my small stuff was gone, but I really had the big meat of my army was still there. Okay. So, yeah, it was definitely fought to a draw. I couldn't tell which way it was going to go from beyond that. Well, it sounds like it sounds like that was a far more fun game. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't getting my butt wiped all you know, over. At least the yeah, place you sound like you had time. stuff that was doing stuff and yeah. yeah, it was I watched a lot of that Lizardman game and that was it did look <laughs> like it was a it, it was, was like the cliche cuz he, he I know I've seen him build his list before and his list had a lot of like oh, big skin croxagor units and uh-huh. stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, this was like the, you know, so I'm kind of expecting that. And then when he puts his army on the board, it's like <laughs> the cliche, not what you want to face, you know, Lizardmen list at that points level. Yeah. So the funny thing rough. is, is that when he started off with the Lizardmen, that's the kind of list that he ran was the cliche and he just couldn't get it to work for him. So he switched over to the Scrox units and actually was using Razordons for a while and used those for a bit, kind of liked them. And I guess using the less traditional list may gave him some sort of tactics to use. So when he went back to the cliche, it started working for him again. Yeah, I, I, well, you get that feel. Sometimes, you know, like if you're getting the kind of skirmish, avoid game, one, it's not necessarily the most rewarding Warhammer game, but it's also, it can be really hard to know where to pull the punches and where not to pull the punches and where to, how to dodge away from things. So it might not be as effective 
Especially like, oh, well, I'm a new player. Well, first thing I want to do is just kind of push it forward. Oh, crap. That that didn't work. I, I only have one combat unit. It doesn't hold up. Ah, oh, nah, I just lost. And you do that a few times, and you don't see how it's supposed to work until you've getting a little bit of grip of the, how the game works in, in the current edition. So I, I think that, you know, that probably played to his advantage, Plus, you know, getting that time a, away from it to oh, yeah. now go, okay, now I see how it works. And that, you know, I, I don't know how his game went. Well, did he, was he out last time? No, he wasn't out last week. He wasn't time. out last week. So. Something about a baby and his wife wanting children, him to take care yeah. of it sometimes. Yeah, I know. That happens. All right. So that sounds like, anyways, we've all had a bunch of fun Warhammer games. Yeah, summer. I, yeah, I, I, I will. <laughs> I will be honest. That uh, my game against Dustin's been like the only game in like the last two or three weeks that I've been able to play. So it's kind of been a little bit of a bummer myself. But I kind of bowed out a couple nights. We had Oddman out and stuff like that too. So it's it's kind of on me too. All right. So let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we'll go ahead and start talking about our projects and all sorts of other stuff. What what what's that place? The last the last circle? The the last triangle? No wait, the last square. That's what it is. The last square located on Odana Road. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah, they have the huge selection of miniatures, everything from five millimeter scale all the way up to twenty five, twenty eight, everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin, with every war gaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted, and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. All right. And if you can't get to the square, you can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. Okay, and we're back. Alright, so let's go ahead and we talked a little bit about obviously what we've been doing and stuff before. So let's go ahead and get a little bit more into talking about what we got together today, which is to work on terrain projects uh, for Mary Mayhem. And we've gotten a number of projects well on their way to start it, and we've been Shooting video, so there'll be a video that goes out with this episode as well, or it may it may come out a little bit before, a little bit after this episode. Anyways, uh, Wisco Dice to kind of help give you guys a little extra Wisco Dice content this month. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what our projects are and, and what we've kind of chosen to do. So, Dustin, you've kind of knocked out the most, so let's go ahead and start out with kind of where you started today at. Alright, so I decided to tackle a Chaos Dwarf table today. Had actually hoped to do it for Mayhem last year, and the time just never came together. So, I knew coming in that that's what I wanted to do. I'm working on a Chaos Dwarf army now, really loving the aesthetics and the fluff, so it was a good place to start. Came in, started out on a big volcano-ish type piece of terrain... Big, rocky caldera with some bubbling lava in the middle, and I think that's turned out pretty well. It's the kind of piece that could either hugely define a game by being large, impassable, and line-of-sight blocking near the middle, or just be really cool sitting on an edge in a corner, depending on how sadistic we decide to be when setting up terrain. Yeah, well, definitely. (laughs) I mean, that's one of the things that getting a start on the table terrain, like we've been playing a lot of Warhammer 
Brian and I here at the house on yep. Sundays and whatever this year. And every time we play, we've been using mayhem tables from last year and setting up the terrain and, and getting a good gauge for, does this really work in a Warhammer game? Does this really work? Is it too much, too little? And kind of that. So it's going to be really nice getting, like, this is going to be a new table we're going to bring to Mary Mayhem this year. And we talked, and we had started talking about it last year. But we're gonna now we're gonna get all the terrain done, and then we're gonna be able to start playtesting with it. Hopefully, in the next month or two, to get a gauge, you know, because there are that's one of the things now with our the next place, the next step, you know, this first piece, it's a it's what twenty inches or so long, probably about eighteen to twenty, and then about ten to twelve inches wide at its widest point. So it's a huge piece of terrain, and that's that's something to be considered when you're making terrain. That you generally don't want pieces of terrain that are that large ever on your Warhammer table just because it can really break a game pretty bad. But it's this is going to be a cool kind of centerpiece for the table, and we'll have to do, do some playtesting with it to see where exactly it fits best because Mayhem also is a, a fixed terrain kind of tournament as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll fiddle with it a little bit, but it, it's definitely coming along. It's looking really sharp the way it was put together and, and starting to shape up, so. Yeah, I think it's it's coming along well. Got some flock on it, and it's drying out in the garage right now. And then uh, next piece, found some, I don't even know what they are. They're foamy, like, planter things? Yeah. I don't know. But they look uh, like some nice dwarf columns, so took some some skull casts and decided to... Add skulls, because terrain is better with skulls. And got a set of four of these, which we can arrange how we want. Either put them in a line, get some columns going. Looks nice and dwarvish. And, uh, may figure out a way to get some burning braziers in the middle. If I can pull it off, I'll be stoked. If not, they should still work pretty well without. I just thought of a, a way we could easily pull it off, too. Just take, like, a cotton ball and just pull it out. Hmm. And that's done. You know, you could put a... I got, like, these little cast campfires, too, that I can cast out of the Hearthstarts blocks. So we could literally put, like, a little campfire in the center and then just pull the uh, cotton ball so that it looks like it's smoke coming off and done. Awesome. Painted up, painted up with a little black and red. Some oranges. Yeah. Done. I'm I'm excited to do a little bit of OSL on here too because that's one been one of my big things with my cast Whoa, project. OSL, hang on here. Here's another. Here's one that's catching everybody off guard. What's this OSL? OSL stands for Object Source Lighting. There we go. And it's the idea that if you've got something like a fire on your model, that you have light coming out of that by painting different shades, so it actually looks like the fire is giving off light yeah hence object source lighting exactly i just wanted to that osl is one of those kind of things that if you if you just say it nobody's going to know what you're talking about unless they already know what you're talking about so it's a good point yeah i want to make sure that everybody out there in listener land can understand you know what we're talking about not to mention i actually didn't quite catch it right off the bat (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that those dead definitely turned and and that was all stuff I actually inherited that you're using for those projects, except for the basing materials. So that was kind of cool. The my my buddy Matt, who is league organizer of the WWHFB, when uh, got involved in the Madison Warhammer scene, 
uh, moved out of state and he's like, I've got all this stuff and I really don't want to move it. Here you go. So, uh, it was creating, so this, the skulls are from one of the building kits from the Hearst Arts Blocks and the foam things. Got to be some, for some kind of flower plant planter or something. So I, I don't know where he got them from exactly, but yeah, it just, it was a quick, cool, easy terrain project that's really going to make this ta- help this table come together. Unfortunately, it then turned into four more impassable pieces of terrain that are fairly, <laughs> at least fairly tall. These are at least only like three by three that take up table space, but still, yeah, it's it's more impassable terrain for that table. That kind of makes sense too, in a little bit of a way, because the cast dwarves would definitely control the landscape to an extent to make it difficult. To, for an enemy army to come at their fortresses or their land so that they could line up firing lanes and stuff. So that kind of, kind of has, you know, a bit of that feel and we'll do a little play testing on it to make sure that it get, goes along right and, and works right. So what, let's go ahead and we've kind of covered, that was, that was basically everything you worked on prior. You had to take a break there to go climbing. Uh, actually, uh, jujitsu. Oh, jujitsu. Okay. Climbing is during the week. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Okay. Multi-talented folks here. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Uh, about that time, Brian came in, but let's go ahead and t- I can talk a little bit about the first project I worked on today, which is the pond that I'm working on. Or that's going to be an Earth Blood Mirror is what I'm going to use it, and I'm going to be taking it to Blood in the Sun, and it's going to get incorporated in one of the Mayhem tables. I haven't quite figured out which one I'm going to use it on yet. But that'll come in the painting part of it. I'm, I'm either going to use it on my wood elf table or I'm going to use it on my... I've got like an ogre table I could use it on. I've got a couple other places I can use it. So uh, one of the things I wanted to do is I've got like uh, got a tree on there and I've got a uh, some other... Some, some kind of raised spot so it doesn't necessarily look like it's a one sheer just piece of water. Um, but it started out at just a, a piece of hardboard base. And I took some foam and kind of made a ring, a, a raised ring around it to kind of define the pond or the water area. And then took some wall spackling and, and filled in the cracks where the foam was after shaping the foam initially with a hobby knife just to kind of smooth that out more. Let that set up and s- set up so I could sand it down. I've sanded it down now. And... Then I filled the center, I glued the tree in place and a, a tree stump in place and I've filled the center with sand to basically get it ready for priming and painting. So it's it's ready basically at this point to start that painting pod part of the project up and eventually then I'll fill in where the sand is so that water area is with I've got this resin product, this two part resin product I'm going to mix them, I can mix paint and stuff with and I'm going to fiddle with that and see if I can come up with a, a color and a uh, mix that I like to use on that. And then this that piece of terrain is going to hopefully go with me to Blood in the Sun you know, next weekend for the terrain contest. So hopefully it'll look sharp and other people will think it's sharp so that I can maybe get some votes. We'll see. I don't know. I don't think it'll be good enough to win it, but I'm, I'm hoping. Here's fingers crossed. It looks promising so far, at least. It, it, I, I've, I remember years past what the different projects were, and there, there's always a couple of projects that are really sharp. Always have blood in the sun, and, and I don't know that I'll, I'll make it, but I hopefully, I mean, hoping. Fingers crossed. Sometimes you got to run before you can walk. Brian, what did you tackle for a project today? I'm shooting for a dark elf tower eventually. <laughs> if I ever figure it all out, I, I think you have. 
the most ambitious project that any of us took on today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had an idea in my head. Um, I've never really done anything like it before, so I'm really figuring it out as I'm going well, here. Let's go ahead and just start with talking about the the core center of the tower. You think of the think of towers, you think of dark elf towers. We think of these kind of roundish, spindly looking s- towers. Yep. And that's kind of what you've got. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you how you put that together. Well, the, yeah, the main structure of it is all just uh, the foam board kind of stuff. Uh, the well, styrofoam, I don't remember. You, you're whatever using, you call it. You're using two inch wall insulation foam. Yep. Oh, not the, well, it's not the wall insulation foam. It's a, whatever blue, it's a blue or the pink. People call it blue and pink foam anyway. Yeah, I'm sure so you know you what got, we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I got the two inch stuff. I have it all stacked together. I actually have like six layers of it total, I guess, for the whole tower. And then I have a piece of one-inch foam cut out for a platform, and that's going to go like partway up. Like it'll be the on top of the fourth layer in the middle there. And I have a kind of hexagonal shape I've cut into it, and it also has like a kind of hourglass shape when you look at it from the side too. Yep. And I, I like the fact that you you glued the bottom four pieces together. Yep. And then you glued the top two pieces together, and then before you did kind of your final shaping. You took, what, a couple of toothpicks? Yeah, I have it toothpicked together at that middle section and left the platform out of it at the moment so I can just get a uniform shape for my whole main tower piece eventually. (laughs) I'll tell you what, that's something I would not have thought of, and it really is going to help it all look uniform all the way. All the sides are going to look right. Yep. All the way up through it, even though you're going to put that jam, that platform in the middle there between yeah. four and five. Yeah, it's getting there. As far as, a, I mean, I want it pretty, like, uniform structure is going to be the tricky part of it. I got it pretty close right now. I had to let the glue set up. Otherwise, it was just shifting all over, and I wasn't really getting anything anywhere with it to make it even. But hopefully, it'll get there. I mean, the glue is solid. I just haven't really gotten back to it to sand out the sides and hopefully get a nice shape to it in the end. It's definitely a good rough shape, definitely, right now. And then you've got the platform cut, I see. Yeah, the platform's also hexagonal, matches kind of the shape of the building. Okay. I think it's like eight inches across or so, if you're on any side. And then I did bevel the edges a little bit, which actually kind of threw some complexity into through a, through my a next lucky rig. Step. Okay, so let's, so, so we took some pictures and you'll see this on the video of, of the kind of crenellation plans that you've got for uh-huh. around both this this uh what do you call it the platform and then the yeah, top of the, the tower walls on the edge of the platform is the main thing i'm trying to figure out right now and of course they need to be spiky well yeah <laughs> so i and eventually I... we'll incorporate skulls too i'm sure but hey one yeah. one step at a time <laughs> yeah so yeah foam i decided to cut that out of like the foam board stuff like the foam sandwich between the two kind of hardboard tag board kind of stuff which apparently is pretty tricky to work with. Like I've seen a lot of it in the Lord of the Rings books. I was kind of looking at for ideas, and they made sh- sure made it seem pretty simple to cut really nice shapes out of it. But my first piece was terrible. <laughs> I think it's still workable, <laughs> but I'm like, wow, this is gonna be horrible if it all goes like that. And then after that, I guess slowing down, just having some experience in the short time I had to cut Getting out a like sharper knife. eight pieces. Yeah, a sharper knife definitely helped, and my rough shapes aren't too bad. So hopefully. It's a good base. But then, like I said, that I was just trying to figure out now, I noticed the bevel I put on my platform kind of threw a wrench into my, the shape of my sidewalls. So I think, I think I can 
figure it out though. I think I'm gonna have to put a dowel on each corner. I think it'll basically make it makes out. it so that nothing lines up quite the way it should because yep. you didn't really take that into account. Mine are, in your yeah, design. Mine are accounted for like a square shit fitting shape, like at right angles. So having that slight angle in there, it's not even that big of an angle, but like a seventy degree, seventy five degree. <laughs> as opposed to the 90 and yeah that messed stuff up pretty good but i think i can figure it out i'm hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel but i think i got something good going here for the i mean part. i can see your, your project <laughs> has really started to shape up i mean it'll be you'll be at this one the next time or two that we get together and do terrain but. yeah it's definitely a lot more work than i would have thought going into it i really had no clue when i started it and then yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you picked a piece, though, that you, you're intrigued, and it's really coming together. I've seen a lot of pieces that people haven't, have never really touched terrain before, and they do their first piece, and, and it ends up, you know, they, they end up realizing it's going to be really difficult uh-huh. and, and kind of give up, but you're plugging away pretty solid on it and, and yep. coming up with good ideas. And I think I'll end up with something useful. <laughs> not, not only coming up with good ideas, but coming up with good ideas that you didn't need anybody else's kind of help coming up with them, so... Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's good Yeah, job. I'm really flying by the seat of my pants a little bit, figuring it out as I'm going, but it's working out. All right, so let's get back to So, Dustin, you kind of came back in, in the middle of, of Brian's project work there and seeing what he was doing, and was he at the point where that tower had even the hexagonal shape that it does now and, and shaped out? It was still like a, a stack of squares wasn't it i think no, I, it, it was a hexagon it just hadn't been sanded down for the nice smooth finish yet yeah because it was it, there was a point where that was just big giant chunks of squares <laughs> and i was wondering if he was ever going to get past that we did have it on video as the big giant block of squares and i said i was done <laughs> <laughs> i was a little worried at that but point. it's a little more impressive right now yeah all right, so you came back and, and tackled a couple more projects yet. Yep, I decided that I needed uh, my own tower, so I did make a stack of squares. I decided to take the Chaos Dwarf Tower and focus on their ziggurats, which, for those unfamiliar, are kind of step pyramids, because the Chaos Dwarves have a lot of Babylonian influence. So decided to go that route, so I have a very steep step pyramid effect. It's four layers of two-inch foam on top of each other. And I don't have a lot of detailing on it yet, but I think it's going to be pretty cool. It's a very unique look for a tower, which I'm kind of pleased with because it really does scream chaos dwarves as opposed to a more generic chaos, which I find is can kind of be a problem if you're trying to identify the difference between the humans and the dwarves aesthetically. So with the, with the ziggurat now, I mean, it's pretty much you got a door and some blank, some blank foam squares at this point that have been kind of sanded down and smoothed out a little bit. Are you going to do anything with the stones themselves to maybe, are you going to like say draw in brick patterns or anything like that? I'm figuring depending on how it goes, I will likely uh, carve it out into very large blocks, like two inch by two inch. Figure that the Chaos Dwarves can uh, pull the ancient Egyptian trick and just have slaves build everything for them. So making blocks out of stone that are ten feet across is not a big deal. 
and I think it's going to give it a more solid, imposing look than something like brick wood. Okay. And you said you're going to carve them. You use like a utility knife or something like that, or what were you thinking? So um, I've not tried this yet, but I have seen online where people have used very thin files, maybe like a quarter inch file to just file down a little section in the side of the foam for building out things like this. And I think I'm going to give that a try uh, when I get my hands on one of those files on some scrap styrofoam and see how that works out. I would say the other thing I would I just kind of pops in mind and I've used before is a ballpoint pen. Oh, yeah. It doesn't take a lot of pressure with a ballpoint pen to get a nice defined line. Somewhere around here I have a graveyard I made, and I use that the, the brick walls on the outside of it are literally, that's all drawn in with a ballpoint pen, and that gave a great recess in in the foam. So something to think about. Cool. It's another thing for you to try. I'm like Brian. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants here. <laughs> now, are we going to do, I guess, is there anything else? Like, you have an idea for the top of it yet? or So the top, I haven't yet decided what I want to do there. It's, Be- it looks like it's screaming for something. It wants some attention. It wants something. I think I need to do some searching online and get some inspiration for various Chaos Dwarf structures. because I can't remember anything off the top of my head that would be defining for the top of one of their buildings. So I want to see if there's anything out there that really strikes me. I'm just thinking, like, I know I look at you like your unit, and you've got that big bullhead unit filler. Like, that would be awesome on the top of that. (laughs) Yeah, you you got a spare Gorgon head? I don't know if I have a spare Gorgon head. (laughs) Well, the kit comes with two. That's where I got mine. Actually, yeah, probably, unless you raided my bits already, I probably still have mine. Awesome. (laughs) We can dig. Might still be on a sprue somewhere. We'll have to <laughs> dig around. All right, so then I had one final piece of terrain. This one is finally not impassable in line of sight blocking. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to make some uh, blazing barricades to yep. fill out this table. And these are actually going to be really simple. They're just standard brick walls from what was the The her starts blocks are, that's the one yeah precast they're the cobblestone block it's about a half inch tall and then added uh toothpick spikes to the top and the plan here is from Conzi himself to paint the blocks as stone and all of the nice well-defined spaces in the middle will be painted with a lava effect so you have the end goal is these blocks these little brick walls that look like they're actually held together magically with lava yeah they're mortared with flame which should be pretty cool yeah i think it's i think it's gonna look really cool i'm a little concerned at the height that we decided to go with just because it obviously doesn't make sense for a chaos dwarf to uh have a uh, like a like a, a tall wall why would they want that they're gonna want to take defense a uh, defensive position and be able to shoot behind it right yeah, so it, these walls will probably come up to about the, the chest on a dwarf and about the upper thigh on a human. <laughs> but that's where the spikes kind of come into play, too. So, the, you know, they would obviously make a defensive position that would be able to be used by the dwarfs, you know, and be able to fire across. But we need to make it inconvenient and kind of nasty when somebody tries to cross them. So the spikes on the top, which is a great, that was kind of your add to that idea. 
So that was, that worked out. And then we're going to go ahead and base them up yet uh, on some hardboard and, and we'll look at that and exactly how we want to do that too. So maybe we can add a little height to it that way as well. Mound it up a little bit or something. Yep. And, uh, that should conclude the cast dwarf table. We'll have to do some place testing, see if there's anything else we want to add, but that's where I'm at today. That's excellent. That's a real solid project for part uh, project. A really solid progress for a single day of terrain work. All right, so I had a couple of other projects that I've kind of started, and one I'm not really sure about, and that was the, the road section or the path section. And I just took a piece of rubber cork that I had and put some base uh, and put some squared precast herstart blocks on to make a path, and and I'm not really sure on that one if I'm gonna if I like if I like it. I did find a great way because uh, the cork had a pretty solid warp to it, so I found a great way to flatten it out with finally a good use for my War of the Ring book. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I hate that game. <laughs> He's made that joke four times today. At least. It was pretty good. <laughs> uh, we got a common friend of ours yeah. that that uh, loves War of the Ring pretty, pretty solid. At least he did when we talked to him last. I don't think it's horrible. I've only played it a couple times and... Just never really put over the edge for me in gameplay, I guess. But I'll leave a little bit there. I don't hate it outright. <laughs> my first game of that, you know, I was I sat down and lined up my, my Forces of Mordor, and I was taking on another player with Forces of Mordor that I played a few times. And he lines up in his deployment zone. I plot my stuff down in my deployment zone. Turn one, he, like, cast some, like, double your move or wings of, you know, wing spell so he's able to basically cross 24 inches of board charge a unit of mine <laughs> just decimates my unit crushes it in one round of combat and i'm like that like handicapped my entire game right there i'm like oh my god i had no idea that could happen you know thanks appreciated that this game sucks <laughs> <laughs> that, that was kind of my first impression and and the games never got really better i kind of started getting the hang of how to play it you know after that you know seeing seeing the the movement just doesn't seem to be really it it really is it doesn't seem logical like it could actually happen yeah <laughs> like the, just those the, units just fly around they fly the board across too the fast. battlefield yeah there's no really building that came up in crossing the board you know and and that kind of thing and in and like when an infantry unit can move as fast or faster with a and i do granted that it was a spell on the unit but when they move it faster faster than a cavalry unit that's questionable <laughs> Let alone but, a flying unit, too. <laughs> diversion aside, <laughs> that that being said, Lord of the Rings, the strategy battle game, Brian and I both endorse and love. Yeah, that's awesome. I guess, yeah, that kind of outweighs, I mean, our preference if we want to put Lord of the Rings minis on the table usually goes to the strategy battle game, so. But my last project that I've kind of, I've almost got structurally completed. This is the most impressive, I think, sitting across the table. Oh, yeah. From you, as far as what you're working on. good. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's basically a two level house. Going to be it's going to be I I kind of built it as an inn is kind of what I had in mind for the purpose of the building. I have a table that has always had a crossroads kind of in the center of it uh, that I've used for mayhem in years past and I don't have the centerpiece piece of terrain for that table anymore. So I'm like, "Ah, eh, I I I want let let me do a foam core building today and I'll be able to use it for this table." 
as well as I'll be able to use it for, we've been talking about doing bolt action. Brian and I have been, you know, yep. Brian got the demo it a few weeks back and, and I've got a, a pretty good start on a German force now for bolt action. So it'll, it'll work for that game as well. So I'm trying to do that wooden stucco kind of, kind of European multi-level house. And I started out with, uh, again, the hardboard base, which is about, I think it's quarter inch hardboard is what I'm, or eight Maybe inch. a little less. Yeah. yeah maybe three sixteenths hardboard. It's really pretty thin. Yeah. Cause that's quarter inch and it's thinner than that. Yeah. Then I kind of made the the initial layer. I had this, like the foundation of it. Yeah, yeah. I had the foundation out of Herstart's blocks. The doors a uh, cast Herstart blocks door that I had, and then uh, again my friend Matt Failer had when he gave me all of his box of like goodies. There was all of these precast bricks that he had already made, and he had it, it appeared to me like he had started putting together a chimney out of those bricks. And so I took the chimney and, you know, obviously used that and, and built the rest of the chimney in. And then I built the foam core walls around it and I chose to, the windows are, are fairly narrow arrow slit like windows rather than big broad windows. I thought, you know, this being kind of a rural roadhouse, they wouldn't have big wide open windows in case the building got attacked or came under fire. You know, you'd want to be able to have defensible positions for your in so I I milled in you know only second floor windows and they're only basically essentially arrow slits and then a, a nice front door that looks like it's like a reinforced steel or or iron door and I'm gonna do I've kind of I've doing I'm covering all the walls with a a lightweight wall spackle so it's giving them a nice kind of textured effect as well as kind of covering up the edges where the foam core joins are. I've got the roof right now. I've got a thin piece of pretty stiff card as kind of the placeholder for my roof and the kind of the structural uh, ability for the roof. But I've got a bunch of, I got one of the, the Herstarts roofing kits that's shingled roof. And I'm going to go ahead and use those to build in the roof as well then. so And I've never used that kit before, so this will be the first time I've actually used the, the shingled roof kit in a piece. So I still have to, once the stucco's all dried too on, on all four walls, I'll have to, I'm going to go back in and give it that timbered look as well with some balsa wood. So it'll it's it's a little ways away from being finished, but... It's always kind of nice to have another building. I, I don't think that I can ever say I have enough buildings, even though I've got quite a few of them. So, nice project. I'm really happy with where that's going. All right, let's go ahead. I think at this point we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little more about maybe the lessons we've learned today and some things that we want to try going forward in in future projects. My precious. Your precious what? My precious everything. Yu-Gi-Oh, Warhammer, 40K, War Machine Hordes, everything. Everything? Yeah, it's all at Misty Mountain Games. Really? Correct. Located on Cottage Grove Road. And you know what? I hear they also have the largest gaming space in all of Madison. Don't just hear it. I know they do. All right. And also, you can check them out for board games as well, I hear. Yep, board games. They got pretty much everything. The management and the staff down there are awesome. They can hook you up with whatever you need. If it's not on the shelves, they'll make sure they get it in for you promptly and quickly. All right, well, check them out. Misty Mountain Games on Cottage Grove Road. And, of course, hit their website at mistymountaingames.com. 
Okay, and we're back. And Brian made a significant pile of dust. Yep. <laughs> and I found a Gorgon head. Yeah, yeah, we dug through my amazing what you find in my bits box. It's kind of crazy. No, I actually own a Gorgon somewhere around here, but... They're, yeah, it is amazing what you find in my bits boxes. <laughs> and boxes, let alone the brand new box pile. <laughs> it, 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 it is a pile, you know, a full... Full on, what one of the, those big totes? I don't know how many gallons those totes are, but yeah, it's 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 brimming over the top with brand new kits for various games. It's pretty pretty impressive, actually. I made a pretty solid dent in it too this year. I've I've done a lot of assembly on stuff, but I I tend to buy things about as fast as I assemble them right now. So uh, that's that's much better than the way it was last year and the year before and basically every other year I've been in the hobby. So, you know, that happens. Anyways, so let's go ahead and take a little time to kind of reminisce and talk about terrain in general and some of the tips or tricks or things that maybe if we were going to tell the listeners about the projects that we've undergone today, what did we learn that maybe is going to transition to future terrain projects for ourselves? I don't know. I think mine's requiring a lot of patience <laughs> like and just kind of taking it slow and waiting for glue to dry helps a lot i mean he said i was just sanding that thing which wasn't really working very well before because the glue is still moving around quite a bit but now it's solid and it's actually i'm able to make something out of it a little bit better yeah you're talking about the actual yeah that's the, to- actual... the actual spindle part of the tower yep. yeah yeah and i don't know the rest of it's really been trial and error which isn't really a bad thing i've just been kind of really figuring it out as i've been going and don't i guess don't be afraid of improvising if something doesn't work initially how you said it i guess you kind of said with my project i didn't just drop it i'm like still working at it trying to figure it out and i keep running into roadblocks but i'm getting through them and you've got a fairly involved project too it's not like you're like oh i'm gonna just do a hill and i didn't think it would be that big of a deal but (laughs) it's pretty extensive (laughs) It is, and patience has definitely been the word of the day on that one. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so Dustin, have you come up with anything good besides rating Ben's Conzi's uh, bits box is a is a great thing? Well, my projects have been pretty straightforward, but I will say that this is my first time having access to hardboard basing because I've never had a power saw, and. After years and years of very frustrating cardboard bases, this is glorious. Hey, anytime you need to use it, you know, you can pick up sheets like that to fit in your car at, like, Home Depot or whatever for a pretty reasonable price, and that goes a long way. So anytime you need a hardboard basing for your stuff, I've got plenty of saws. And they need to be used. <laughs> All right. But yeah, uh, definitely. I would tell you anybody that's out there. I think I've got it's it, it's greater. It's got to be like a. It, it looks like it's probably about eighth inch. Yeah, that stuff's probably eighth. Yeah. So it's about an eighth, and I don't recommend you go any thicker than that. Really, it's not necessary. It'd just be a big. Yeah, it's about the yeah. it's about the same thickness as corrugated cardboard on your normal normal cardboard not box. Looks like it's you know, maybe a couple of millimeters shorter than a standard GW base. Which is perfect, honestly. 
and uh, in a really good thickness and gives your terrain pieces, especially with some of the taller pieces that you're working on. Like we talked about, like the, we got these high elf towers back from the tra- the terrain guy uh, last year for Mary Mayhem, and we got some of the dwarf pillars for that dwarf table as well. And what was the one number thing? One thing, especially with those dwarf pillars for the dwarf table, was oh my goodness, these things are there's no weight to them at all. They fall over pretty easy. And they're kind of cumbersome to use in a, in a game. And you put a, a hardboard base underneath it, and it really stabilizes. It gives it some weight and keeps it in, you know, gives it a little extra surface area to make sure it's stable. That's definitely going to be a critical part of my tower when it's done. Once I have the big platform on there, it's going to be very, very top heavy on a little base. <laughs> so it's definitely going to need a hardboard under it. I was thinking too, being a dark elf, dark elf board, it would be cool to kind of do that on, like, see a piece of foam that's kind of rocky yeah. up a little bit. That would be um, pretty cool. Kind of like how I have that. I have that one Empire Tower that's like that too. That I've got it on kind of a rock mound. Sure. I can show you later if you're not. If you're I not get the idea. It. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Just one more thing for me to carve out. And <laughs> uh, carving rock, carving rocks out of yeah, foam is pretty easier. easy. Yeah, that's. that's but yeah, that'd of, be a pretty cool touch to it. I bet. Yep. Maybe come up with some kind of way to add a few skulls to the to the rocks too. Because to, to, right I know, now I'm lacking the skulls. Right now, right yeah, now. you're definitely lacking the. That's one. That's another thing I think I've learned today is that no no terrain piece is is satisfactory without more skulls, more and more skulls. I only used forty skulls today, and I feel like maybe I didn't use enough. You are you <laughs> have used more skulls than the rest of us combined. Wait, well, if we count the skulls on the Gorgon head, I've got another eight there. Yeah, 48 skulls one day. It's pretty solid. All right, so I, I, that was a big one. Though. It definitely helped evil up some of the terrain. I definitely see where Games Workshop comes from when throwing throwing 8 billion skulls <laughs> at things. It definitely is a, a quick and easy fix to getting something to look a little more serious or a little more sinister even. Not that I would say that every piece of terrain needs 8,000 skulls. Like, I will be honest, my, my little building Your there will, doesn't have any my skulls. will not get a skull at all. Come on, one. Nope. One or two. Can, can there be a skull on the sign? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> we'll put a skull on the sign just to GW it up a little bit. But, yeah, I, it's, I finally got all, all During the break, I was able to get that rest of the way stuccoed up, so that was nice. Had had anybody actually seen somebody do that on a on a foam core building before? I don't think you did it to any of your other ones, have you? No, not really. I did but, it a little bit to the stone tower that I got okay. a stone tower that I did it to. I don't know. Seeing you do it here, it really I it put the final touch on the look of the tower or the building there for me. I that really topped it off. I mean, that really made it sharp. I like it a lot. Yeah, that really does. And in general, I've never seen a foam core building being constructed, so it was really cool to watch that process they're really not too terribly hard it's a fairly inexpensive terrain manufacturing tool that you can put together buildings with pretty quick and there's a lot of websites out there that'll tell you how to do a how to build a foam core building and maybe someday i'll get around to actually writing up an article for the the wisco dice page i'll jam it in my blog somewhere i really uh, like the look of them too yeah they they definitely come out. They come across. They look pretty natural. You can do a lot with the material, and the the wall spackling kind of helps fill some of the gaps and crevices and things like that that kind of make make them look a little unnatural. So 
I, I like the effect, and I, I got that one. I'll be honest, it's not my original idea. I was talking to Terrain once when we did uh, that episode. I think it was episode six. She had mentioned it. He, he, I don't remember if she mentioned it as part of the show or mentioned it off the air, but it, she had mentioned it. And I'm like, oh, I latched right onto it. And first, and I tried it. I tried <laughs> it on some repair work for Mayhem last year, and I'm like, dude, this is awesome. And I've kept doing it since. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it to my foam core building too. Like, well, whatever you call the foam well, board, the blue, blue foam. foam. I think I'll yeah, have to put that foam. on the edges to kind of smooth out the whole sections. I mean, you'll probably be able to see where the I blocked them together, so. I think it'll definitely need a layer of it to put a nice smooth surface on my building. Yeah, I I think that'll be it'll help kind of even even where you I can see where you've sanded now it still kind of defines the lines between the two inches. Yep. Each where each two feet you know two inch piece of foam glued together. So you'll want to cover that up and hide that a little bit more. So that'll be a good usage of it. What else are we kind of hoping for? You know, obviously we're getting close to a wrap of the day. We're recording. We're we're talking about what we did. Uh, anything we're looking forward to? Because nobody's got any paint on anything they worked on today, so that's definitely something we're going to have to come back and, and talk about and, and work on on a future episode. But anything you got in passing that you kind of want to think about or you're thinking in the future that you'd like to try or give it a go, terrain working-wise? I'm excited to finish my tower, which seems to be a pretty big job. <laughs> so beyond that, I haven't really looked past my tower <laughs> it's really turning into it's really going to be on because i have that that's probably that's usually like table two or table three at the uh, mayhem eh, table three or table four actually the two top two tables are the santa claus towns uh but the that'll be probably ta- that'll make sure that that dark elf table sits on like table board three hopefully that's it'll a be worthy really when it's done. cool <laughs> that, the, like the uh the, the little tower the stuff you're doing on that tower and the on the platform and stuff really captures that dark elf feel. And I've I've never you know I've always wanted to tackle a project like that, but every time I kind of get it started, I burn out really quick on <laughs> patience. So that's really coming together already, probably further than I would have I would have done myself. I, that's definitely a, a project of patience and passion. Lots of peas there. <laughs> Okay, so I think we're running out of things to talk about here, but uh, any final thoughts for terrain work that you might have for advice for our listeners? Terrain is awesome. Even if your models are gorgeous, if you're playing on crap, it'll look like crap. Definitely a solid thought, and you can definitely put together even some basic hills or go buy basic games work. Just go buy the GW kits even. That's... That's great terrain for your table. Even if you don't even paint it up, it helps that game look that much better. We always talk about, we've been talking about Conzie's Challenge all this year in 2013. And that's the not play, not play with an unpainted model. Well, playing with it on a table that's just a stack of books and, and no terrain, no actual terrain is going to make those painted models just be depressed. So. If there's, you know, another, the next thing you're looking for, the next, the next step, everybody, you know, that you want to go to, it's definitely you want to get to having painted models and painted terrain and terrain on the actual terrain and buildings and stuff on the table. So you don't need to have everything out there possibly in the Warhammer world. You know, a nice, a nice collection of five or six pieces, you know, maybe a few more. That's, that's what, you know, that's usually good enough. You know, you, you know, you can always haul it down to the game store if it's where you play all the time and, and use it at the game store every now and then, you know, whatever you need to do. So, all right, let's go ahead. We'll take a break here and we come back. We'll go ahead and wrap up the show. 
Are you tired of playing the same group of guys in your basement every week? Check out the WWHFB, Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Check it out at WWHFB.com with regions in Madison, Milwaukee, Stevens, Point, and La Crosse. Anywhere in Wisconsin, you're going to find somebody to play. WWHFB.com. Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Okay, on today's Conzie's Rant, we're going to rant about something near and dear to my heart. One of the things that got me into Warhammer at the beginning of Warhammer, and something that has went the way of the dinosaur on the Warhammer table. And what is that? That is dragons. Oh, how I miss you, my dragon friends. How I want to paint you, my cool new plastic dark elf dragon, but so deprioritize it because it's never going to see the day of the Warhammer table. You know, would you know, painting up a model like that that's gorgeous and, and pretty would be fun and an enjoyable project, and then I would be forced to have to actually put it on the table and only to watch it first turn skill cannon off the board. Oh, Warhammer Games Workshop, why do you make me so sad like this? There is a great sorrow in the Conzie's heart for the lack of being able to put his dragon on the table. Please, please, make my Dark Elf dragons amazing so that people want to put them on the table again. Make Wood Elf dragons something to be respected. Find a reason to FAQ a Chaos Dragon into awesomeness. And, well, even the skirt wearers deserve a dragon that doesn't suck. So please, Games Workshop, find a way to fix this edition and next so the dragons once again rule the roosts as the monster of choice. Okay, so that was a an interesting Conzie's rant. Wouldn't you say, guys? Very heartfelt. Yeah, very... Did- Pulled at the heartstrings. Uh, there was a tear in everything, man. <laughs> I feel your pain now. I, I think that's... I don't even own a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Well, the vampires are the only ones I could have had it for, but putting your vamp lord on a dragon doesn't really work. Yeah, well, you could probably have a thunder kitty or two for your tomb kings. Those aren't dragons. If they're thunder kitties. <laughs> they're almost as cool. No, not nearly. You know, you you could you could do the you know Thundercats really themed and have the Thunder Tank, <laughs> and that could be your Thunder Kitty, or or you could have the what it was He Man's tiger that he was riding around. I don't know, it's slightly before my time. You could, you could do that up; it'd be really cool. You just get a big plastic He Man tiger. <laughs> am I helping? No, I'm not helping the case at all. Am I? I don't know. Not Ryan, in the Ryan, least. Not feel my the, case. You ever going to feel the Thunder Kitty? I don't think so. Thunder, Thunder, Thunder Kitty, roar! Thunder, 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 Thundercats, ho! I guess I've thought about it, but I haven't figured out putting a howda on a scorpion and fit it on a chariot base. <laughs> <laughs> haven't figured that out yet. All right, Conzie, I, I give you a task. Next time you play Tomb Kings with three Thunder Kitties, first one you place, 
scream thunder. Second one you place, thunder. Third one you deploy, Thundercats ho. I've done that. I've done that before while playing a Warhammer team with when a single war kitty does good. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do it loud too. I don't care. It's like exciting when I like the when I get into an infantry unit and it does like nothing to me, and then I like killing below a character out with the riders, and then the Thunder Kitty does its four attacks, and then it stomps, or, or then it thunder stomps, and then it you know like when I get down to that thunder stomp, it's like thunder, thunder, thunder Kitty. <laughs> Great. I love my war sphinxes. Well, All like five they'll... or six of them eventually. Hopefully it'll do better for you in your next few games. Yeah, uh, I've only got the problem is, is I have two painted up and two isn't enough. You need that third one. You need one. a third one because then when you like first turn cannonballed, then you still have you two of you nearly need two of them to be effective. Because one on its own just isn't enough. Yeah. And that's that what sense. I'm really fi- that's what I found in the last game when against Dustin was that it one just wasn't enough. But, you know, because he cannonballed the first one off the board before I even had a turn. So then I'm like, ah, oh, I'm down to one Thunder Kitty. And the one Thunder Goody did exactly what I wanted it to. But then it ended up, because I didn't have a third Thunder Kitty in the list, it ended up being out of position. So, and I've got stuff in that list that I really don't want to be putting in there. I like, I don't really care for the second level four, certainly not the second level four of death. Oh, really? You're not I, liking the two level fours? I like the two level fours, but the second, I, well, I'm, I got, no, I'm not liking that. <laughs> I ran. I don't have enough dice. I know. I always kind of thought about that too. Like, if you roll like two dice for your phase, you like can't do anything. I mean, the casket helps you a little bit, but yeah, even I, then, you don't that, really need that. That last spells. game, I don't think you even attempted to cast more than three spells in a phase all game. Gen- I never really had a lot of dice. Yeah. Generally, you only only get one off, one big spell off in a regular game too. So whether you have like four to choose from or eight it doesn't really matter that much missing the higher titan in the list too doesn't give me that extra d3 to cast on each one of those yeah castings. that would help a there lot. were a couple of times where i was like one or t- like okay well i need to get this spell but i also need to get this spell so let's throw two or three di- you know let's throw a little bit less dice at them and hope i get them all off well that you know i was usually failing by one or two and that's where that higher titan would have came in big for me i would have pulled out those fails to cast with that extra d3 to be casts. Yeah, the more dice, the merrier, man. <laughs> and I think another thing, too, going into it in hindsight, is I probably should have dropped the power scroll in the list, too, some, on one of them, just to have a uh, 50% discount on casting cost on one of those big spells so that I could get off a, a big purple sun or something like that once in a while. That'd probably be good, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the other thing that I think that's been really chaffing me, and I think I'm like, I, I'm liking the two level fours, but I'm also disliking it. Yeah, um, I really like the spell selection, but I really dislike the fact that one's a death wizard and the ranges are too short, and yeah, the army the plays is, really is too short. far away, and it doesn't do anything. Death really isn't doing anything other than the double stacking. I do really like the double stacking a soul blight with the two kings, <laughs> yeah. minus one strength and toughness, so I'm like, oh, you're minus one strength and toughness from Soul Blight, but then I'm also going to minus one strength and toughness you from the Tomb Kings. You can stop one or the other, but if I want to get a minus one strength and toughness off, you ain't stopping it. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. But yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that I've really been taking advantage of with the Death Wizard in. I really haven't, you know, taken advantage of anything else. I've thrown a few Purple Suns, but they've been relatively either ineffective against the opponents I've played against, or they've been. 
miss I misfired on the first one I threw and dropped it on my level four's head and my level four death's head and killed him with it. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> there's just not been. I mean, it's not been a positive experience with me with the death of wizard. I'm really. I think just if like I would have taken a, scorpions. I, oh, I hate burying <laughs> scorpions. But if I would have taken a light wizard, it would have been a lot better. I think oh. if I would have chose that. But I don't know. I mean, I haven't put it on the table and tried That's it. That's what so. I was thinking. I want to do with. I mean, the two level four seems pretty tough, but. I was hoping to run a light one and a Nakara one. In if hindsight, I ever put them on the table. In hindsight, soon. I think that's what I should have done, and then I could have found maybe even a way to get a level two in or something like that. Change up the list a little bit, try to start getting advantage of that light council a little bit. But we'll see. We'll see. I've got a long ways to go before Invasion Kenosha will be the first tournament I'm hoping to go to where I'm actually competitive with the army a bit. So I'll be doing some pretty serious playtesting before then to try to adjust it i mean blood in the sun my whole single goal and this gets us into our hobby and gaming goals is a nice transition but <laughs> obviously i'm going to blood in the sun next weekend which is we're recording on sunday the sunday before blood in the sun and i'll be driving down to blood in the sun friday night or friday during the afternoon so less than five days away from when i'm recording or five days away actually five days away from where i'm recording here to go ahead and, and play in this tournament and I'm, I basically my goal my goal for the tournament is one tourney win I don't expect anything better than that you're pretty good with your record so far yeah well, <laughs> I, I played one game with the Tomb Kings at 2400 points and uh-huh. I've lost horrifically 20 odded every model off the table at, on the at turn on turn six and and generally speaking, I played a couple of 2,000-point games based on this 2,400-point list. And they also both were kind of sour. But I, I do have to say, out of those two games, there was one where I didn't have... I played one with the double level fours and one that I did not, and I put in the Necronites. And then in that list with the Necronites was better. I felt like I was in better, better control of the game. I think having just that extra unit would help you quite a bit too. But yeah, more I, than the two level fours would. Well, the two level fours I think is okay at twenty four hundred. It's at just the yeah, it's just that I run out of uh, I, the, the two scorpions. That's a hundred or that's eighty five points of scorpion, and those scorpions uh-huh. just don't seem to do anything. They're I, I hate to say it, but they just make they just don't. Don't add value for my army. They distracted my screamers for a turn. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they they seem kind of slightly disappointing when I've used them. I mean, they look really good, but it's hard to get something good out of them. Yeah, the army—they're too slow to get them into like say somebody's wizard. Able to charge after burying them below—I thought that was really cool. That would make them worthwhile. If I could charge with a scorpion after when it pops up on the board, it would be amazing. But that was always awesome before. Since I can't, that that in the in the fact that I can lose an eighty-five point model that isn't necessarily good. I had kind of thought they'd be good chaff deployments, but in hindsight, I just don't see that anymore. Yeah, in eighth, they have a rough time getting so many attacks back at them. I think that, and with the one less wound, it really seems to affect them. There's a lot of times, and I've been like, okay, if I can just survive the onslaught to the point where they get the swing and initiative. I'll get to do something. Oh, uh-huh. crud. It's already taken a wound going into that combat. It's, you know, somebody pops off a couple wounds, five up armor save, it just dies. All right. So that 
that's kind of my my hobby and gaming goal. I, I know there's a lot of other hobby stuff I should be talking about, but I want to finish up. Obviously, I want to finish up that that water feature for Blood in the Sun I talked about earlier that I started today, and it's it's probably two thirds of the way done now. I mean, getting it kind of structurally together is kind of the the key point. Painting it up shouldn't take terribly long, and then. The only kind of question mark is doing the work with a resin, and I'm not 100% sure how that's going to go. I've got to read some instructions, figure out how much resin i got to mix up and stuff like that, and we'll that fiddle with that. seems to be a tricky thing to use and get right, for sure. So those are my those are my really my, my two goals going into probably the next time we get together to record, because I think that'll be sometime shortly after Blood in the Sun. So what do you, what do you got, Brian? I'm really excited to be painting on my ghouls again. I had a nice assembly break. Well, I hadn't been working on much in general, but after assembling the War Machine figs, I really was had no problem busting out a lot of paint work. So what I'm hearing is this is your promise that by the time we talk to you again, you're going to have five ghouls painted? Yeah, those are definitely going to be done. done? I mean, yeah, they're a fraction. They're like less than an hour Completed? away from done. Yeah. <laughs> are you sure? Yes. Are you going to start on some other ghouls after that, or you got something else you're going to change directions on? Uh, no, I think I can grab another five ghouls and get right to them again. All right, sounds good. Because these five, I was really kind of figuring some stuff out, so it was a little slower than I think I could really do them. I think how I'm painting them, it's going to be a pretty quick to bust them all out. All right, sounds good. Dustin, it's been a while since we talked to you, but you got anything you want to going to plan on working on in the next month or so that's really going to be a focus point for you? Uh, well, my immediate goal is I have uh, about a month to get my display board done for the goblins, so that's uh, got started on base coating the big backdrop for that, the Great Orc Skull Mountain. It's going to be great, so going to try and get that done, and then. My goal for this week is to get one of my Chaos Dwarf pain trains all base-coated and ready to start painting. Excellent, excellent. That sounds good. And obviously, we're all going to try to play as many games of Warhammer as we can get in there. Obviously, I'm going to try to get a Blood in the Sun practice game or two yet before the actual tournament to see where, you know, see if I can try to make the list that I've got that I submitted actually work. Uh, beyond that... I think uh, we're going to try to wrap things up here and talk a little bit about what we talked about today, and that's just been terrain. We've really we got together, we worked on getting the starts of projects all kind of fleshed out and to the point where we're either near ready to paint or in some cases still trying to structurally assemble our project uh, or projects. And uh, I think we had some some good chances, some good video too that's going to go up. I'm literally looking forward to editing and putting together the the video for today's work. So that was kind of something that's exciting. It's the first time we've done uh, kind of a dual hobby project day where we're going to have visuals to kind of go along with the things we talked about. So the the show is kind of a complement to the video. We're kind of using the show as as the instructional portion to kind of talk about things so that we can then show you in a in a video term format and there'll be some some tips and and talk about kind of the points and projects where we are at the, on the video as well. All right, how do you get a hold of the show? How do you how do you find us? Where do you find us to listen to us? We're all up in the iTunes, BlackBerry Podcast, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Yep, and of course you can find us on WiscoDice.com. 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 Of course, you mentioned Twitter and Facebook. Yep. 
And, of course, you can get a hold of us uh, via Google Plus as well. And Google Plus is always a good place to find us, listen to, uh, to grab information. That's host at wiscodice.com as well for email. That being said, let's go ahead and get out of here, folks. Yes, the train. We like train. The train is good. I can't believe it. You guys all did really good train. It was awesome. I, I, I can make train. It's just as good too. Yeah, I can. Believe it or not, I can make train. Yes, yes. And I help sock. Yeah, I said it. Pansies. They are. No. He's, he's, that guy's still around. Yeah, back to normal. <laughs> yeah, we missed him last episode. It was kind of kind of refreshing to have a quiet. Obviously, you thought he was done. No, no. He, he came back. I think he was sick or something. Is what he told me. Must have been. So, all right. Till next time. Let's talk to you later. Thanks a lot, folks. See you. Adios. Peace out. <laughs>